there. Welcome back to The Yoga Show from Yoga Journal, your place to connect with thought leaders in the wellness community who are making waves big and small. I'm your host, Lindsay Tucker, executive editor of Yoga Journal. And in this podcast, we produce four episode series around the themes of each issue of our magazine. Our July-August issue is all about energy and how to harness it when you need it most. For our final energy episode, we are joined by Claire Kui, a six-figure sales coach and yoga teacher who can attest to the powerful way that working with money's energy can unleash life's greatest possibilities. Claire, hello. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be here and so honored. We're so honored to have you. So we're here today to talk about the energy of money and wealth. And I think you have some interesting perspectives on that. Some of what you've written about for Yoga Journal. I have <laughs> written for Yoga Journal. And I am so honored to be here and talk about this thing that I was not really good with, which is money and wealth. And I'm here in this place of being on this podcast and being with you because I am a sales coach for other multi-six and seven-figure entrepreneurs in the coaching space, and I help them to close more sales consistently without being convincing or pushy. Mm. So tell us why you had a tricky relationship with money early on in your career. I had a tricky relationship with money because I sucked at money. <laughs> and <laughs> mostly because I was really scared of having money. And coming from a yoga background and as a yogi, I had created this belief around money that it was bad to have or I shouldn't want it to be spiritual and in tune with divine that money equaled bad. And it was actually really through my relationship in yoga and to myself that I got really clean with money. And I just know that this is something that a lot of yoga teachers struggle with because I'm a yoga teacher and I struggled it with it deeply myself. But why did you feel like it was bad? Oh, great question. I felt like it was bad because money as I grew up was something that my dad and my mom were always kind of in conflict with. And my money beliefs started with my dad. And he was a very spiritual man. We were raised Catholic. And he had some just deep-seated beliefs that we had to work hard for money, that money didn't grow on trees. Mm, my dad used to say that too. I know. I wonder how many other people's dads or moms said that to them. And it created this unfair relationship with money in my own psyche that made money just hard to get and inaccessible and it really started a bad pattern and it showed up in being a yoga teacher for me. So that's really interesting. So when I met you, it was on the set for Yoga Journal. I had this idea that I wanted to do a glow, like the Netflix show glow inspired photo shoot with yoga clothes and like crazy hair and makeup. And at that time, it's funny when I look back because it wasn't even that long ago. It was like October maybe, was yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Two Octobers ago. Mm -hmm. Um. I had such a crush on you right away. I wanted to be your friend. But even when I remember, think of you back then, you were kind of like working still as um, a coach, athletics coach. And strength coach, yeah. Athletic and, and strength coach. And fully still personal training, strength coach, and as a yoga teacher. And I had pretty amazing like stats as a personal trainer, strength coach, 
yoga teacher where I was, you know, featured in Yoga Journal where multiple I was times. multiple times yeah. written articles. I was the only female head strength and conditioning coach in Denver Public Schools. I had a well-established practice for many years. And so you did really see the full transformation. I'm just hearing hearing you say that I was more timid and more... I would have never described you like that back then, but just now that I know you now, it's just, you're like so much more powerful now. I really do think, honestly, and and we have developed this amazing friendship and sisterhood since then. And I can actually remember I was still deep in what I call my money, bloop, like S. I call it like money disbelief. And I was, I was uh, insecure and I was still deep in unraveling my relationship with money and, and wrestling with it. And the truth was, even when I was strength coaching and yoga teaching, yoga teacher teaching, I was also working, working with this amazing multi-seven figure women's entrepreneurial group who I still manage their sales team for. And it's been a true transformation of of as slow as it could be, but transforming my relationship with money and my confidence around money to actually step into my full power and my full freedom around it. And it's completely changed my life. And you've been privy to that. You've seen it the whole time. And it has been amazing. One of the first meetings that we had, we were at a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this. I I feel like it was kind of wintry out. It was wintry (laughs) out. We were cozied up on these little chairs in downtown Denver. And we had, I I for sure had a coffee at two o'clock, which I probably did not sleep that night. (laughs) But also I was up all night because I had created this amazing friendship with you. Yes. Well, I remember us talking about money and your relationship with money and being a yogi and how you felt like it feels contradictory. And so many yogis feel like money is a dirty word or that we shouldn't be chasing after money, especially teachers. You know, there's there's a struggle with a relationship with teachers with money because A, they don't make a lot of money and B, they feel guilty instead of feeling that they deserve it. Right. I think a lot of people feel that way. Absolutely. And it's part of what is changing the landscape as we know it, because I've had the pleasure of working at different studios that are nationally known, uh, locally known here in Denver. And the relationship with money for yoga teachers is changing as we speak. And I am, I know for some yoga teachers, this might be really scary that their source of income that they work so hard for and they've spent money on their education and time, blood, sweat, tears. I am actually so glad that the, the environmental and situational crisis that we're in is creating massive transformation because we have to think about things differently. And I encourage any yoga teacher that is looking to teach classes online or spread their wisdom or knowledge within the yoga sphere in a different way, now is the time because we are looking at this circumstance that's forcing us, encouraging us, asking us to look at our money situation differently and here's the opportunity. And how can we take hold of that opportunity? How do we start to think about money differently and dismantle all of these ideas that we've well, many of us have grown up with. Yeah. I love that you said dismantle the idea. And that's actually the process that I would describe happened for me. I had to dismantle 
what I really believed about being a yoga teacher and being a spiritual leader, a guide, somebody of service to heal others, what that actually meant. And I actually would love to share a story, which is so true in indigenous communities where the highest paid people, the highest, the most revered were the ones that could heal. And yoga is a modality to heal. And back in indigenous communities, they would be paid with chickens or livestock or yucca, whatever the crop was. And they get paid first because the society, the community revered them Mm -hmm. to actually, yeah, be of service to the community. And somehow, and I actually know the somehow, I believe the somehow, this shifted where the people who are in charge of healing on a community level, and I'm speaking about yoga teachers, we are devalued. And honestly, it has nothing to do with a society. The dismantling has to do with, and some of you may not like hearing this, taking a good hard look at our value. And when we talk about our value, Mm -hmm. some of it is determined by society and some of it is self-imposed. So I believe in radical responsibility. I really do. And I believe in that because I have experienced it. I've taken radical responsibility for myself, my own financial situation. When I was working as a personal trainer, strength coach, yoga teacher full-time, the most I made most years was 18K. I got the tax returns to prove it, 18K. (laughs) And when we talk about how do we start to value ourselves, we have to take radical responsibility for how we can change that. And so I started getting curious about, well, how can I change my situation? I knew I had a gift. I knew I had skills and wisdom and expertise. And it made me, my poverty line situation made me get really curious about what can I do differently because to do the same thing again and again is the definition of insanity. So I had to ask these hard questions because I was scraping by. Thank goodness I never got in a car accident or had something where I got terminally ill or anything, knock on wood, that happened where I actually, I decided. And that's that's where I think most people get stuck in their financial situations and their relationship with money. They feel like they don't have a choice. And A choice to what? For how much they have? All of it. We all have choice in whatever situation that we're in. It's scarcity that makes us think that we can only do something a certain way. Scarcity mentality. Correct. Versus, and this is so interesting because a lot of teachers, yoga teachers specifically, or coaches have, you know, these beliefs or deep-seated limiting beliefs around scarcity versus what we kind of talk about as yogis, which is abundance, that anything is possible. You may not get handstand today, but at least you can straighten your arms. At least you can work at your core. We dismantle these pieces of us like we dismantle how certain structures of yoga poses are done we have to be willing to take the journey of yoga off the mat and internalize it. We A lot of the language is the journey off the mat, take the yoga off the mat. I encourage us to take the yoga internally and not just the physicality of it, but how can we dismantle our associations with what we deserve, what things could feel like, like money. Like money doesn't have to feel bad or icky. It can feel mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and safe and sexy. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk about this idea about the struggling artist. One of the things that I talked to Elizabeth Gilbert about on one of the earlier episodes was the relationship that people have with creativity and how society has created this narrative that people have to struggle for their art. And she said, you know, I never had that relationship with creativity. I didn't have that experience. And so when she wrote Big Magic, it was kind of her message anthem if you will to the world that like hey you don't have to buy into this idea you know creative people give money extra energy or even power because they've been fed this idea that they're supposed to love what they do and do it for free or less than it's worth absolutely in my opinion I mean I struggle with this as a writer you know and I think what you're speaking to is the starving artist where the artist must love what they do and be in love with that. And that's enough payment enough. But you know what? That's not going to pay the light bill. No. And I, I mean, so one thing that I was just considering is you could absolutely live under that narrative, that story, that you don't deserve the money and I should really love what I do and not get paid for it. I mean, that's an option and you have choice. We all have choices. And what I'm inviting is why not get paid and do what you love? Like what's, what is wrong with that? And who are you not to have that is my question. Sure. But what do you say to the people who are like, A, I do think I deserve it. I'm not out there thinking I don't deserve it, but I don't know how to get it. Well, then that's not a willpower thing or a desire thing. That's a strategy thing, which is what a lot of times I help with with coaches that are online is, yes, they, they have, uh, there's really two phases actually that I'm hearing. There's a phase of, I don't deserve it. I don't know how, so I'm going to settle. Then there's, I think I deserve it, but then how do I do it? And for me, I was, I was stuck in that phase for a long time. I knew I had a gift. I knew I had something special. I didn't know how to get it out there. Then there's a phase of I'm getting it out there, but am I worthy of it? So there are these different phases. And then there's the ultimate phase of I know what I have and I'm willing and I want and I'm able to receive my birthright. So how do we get from wherever we are in the stages to abundance mentality, ready to receive taking action to receive. I think it's just about being able, which yoga is such a great tool to be self-aware. What phase am I in? Are you in the phase of I, I don't deserve it and I don't know how to get it and I don't want any of that? Well, that's good. I mean, or is it, is it good? Question mark. I mean, that's a great quandary. It's not good. It's not good. I believe (laughs) me. Hey, I've been, I've been through this whole spectrum. So I absolutely know if you're there, this is me not talking down at you. This is me looking at the place that you're in and being so compassionate and empathetic of, I get it. And how do you move on the spectrum, hopefully upwards is a combination, which I, sh- which I think is so, per- so powerful of mindset and strategy. So it all really starts with most things is what is your mindset? You're not going to do a handstand if you are don't have the right mindset that I've got to just try, keep my arms straight and strong, keep my legs straight and strong and kick up. I, if you're like just doubting or any, any kind of seed that's going to mess with your mindset, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to go well unless right. you're just super athletic and like 
blessed be those people. But most of the time, it starts with a good mindset because mm-hmm. the mindset gives the gas pedal to the strategy. I also consider you can have the best strategy, but if you don't have the, re- the right mindset, you're not going to get to wherever you want as quickly as you want or as effectively as you want. So how do we, how do we shift our energy and shift our mindset? Can you offer some practical tools? Like what did you do? Oh, I have a deep spiritual and yoga practice where I just said yes to myself. And when we speak from the, the mindset strategy of how was I, how did I flip the switch to receive? First of all, it wasn't like a light switch where it happened overnight. Right. It definitely happened when I made a decision. I made a choice that I deserve to be paid for what I'm worth. That my wisdom, my experience, my effort, all of that deserve to be reimbursed. But also, I just want to bring up here this idea of like what I'm worth. Because a lot of us have had certain salaries or salary goals and then we achieve them and there's so much more to be had. So how did you, like you just said, I decided I could be paid for what I'm worth. How did you decide what you're worth? Yeah. Well, I think oftentimes indecision is spurned forward by action. And when you're living off of 18K annually, it was pretty clear that I I needed to make a decision on was I okay at living at that level of income? And for some people are, and that's great. But for me, it didn't feel safe. It didn't feel good. It actually wasn't in alignment for me. And and as yoga teachers, you can relate to something feeling kind of off. Like it doesn't feel quite right. But if you're making 18K a year, how can you even fathom or think that you are worth like 18K a month? So yeah, I mean, this is literally what happened to me a couple months ago where I made 50K. Like, I mean, that to me was like a huge, going from 18K a year to 50K a month was a huge gap. I mean, there was like, to to me, I could see back then when I was full-time teaching and full-time all that, seeing that just seems so far away. And so I invite lily pad, just, just like we modify in yoga poses. How could you just bump your income up a little bit? So the very first time I invested in a business coach and a mentor, I had gotten some tools, some strategy to actually talk about my business, my business and sell my business. I made 6K in three months. And to me, that was the lily pad and the step that I needed after I got some strategy, after I really started to understand my mindset that my mind was actually keeping me from making money. It wasn't that I wasn't capable or good enough or that I wasn't smart enough. The Yoga Show will return in a moment after these messages. So I want to go back to like the practical idea of like what what do you do, right? Because let's just take someone from, for example, who is working a nine to five and they've got, you know, a set salary and maybe they can get a raise this year for $5,000, okay? But that's not what we're talking about. And And money is, we're talking about energy. So it's mm-hmm. energy in, it's energy out. Totally. So what are some things that, someone like that could do to change their mindset, change their 
energy and move towards the idea of abundance and wealth. Like one thing that I think maybe was at um, Sage's conference that I went to with you was when you pass over your debit card, think like, thank you. Like I'm so thankful. So instead of like, oh my God, this is like, we just spent $200 on dinner. Like when you're passing over your debit card, instead of doing it with like resentment or like crap, like, thank you. Just think, thinking. Absolutely. Well, I think that's like a first, first of all, it's like you absorbed all this information already. But when you talk about like, what are some practical things mindset wise to do? So if we talk about mindset, we have to identify what is our mindset. So we talked earlier about how money doesn't grow on trees. That's a mindset. So a simple mindset tool that anybody can do is, well, wow, if the kind of dark shadow side is money doesn't grow on trees, what if money is accessible to me anytime I want it? Yeah, something I started doing years ago and it's really helped me and I've told some friends about it too is just like repeating the mantra of money comes frequently and easily and there's a change absolutely I mean it's just I w- I am excited to see the research that comes with mindset and money specifically and maybe I'm just like saying this to myself like I should probably do this but <laughs> once we start to change our mindset because our mind and actually Dr. Joe Dispenza speaks so clearly to how our mind and the frequency of our brain can create our reality so mind just a simple and to be more specific it's being able to identify your specific money thing or mindset that you say all the time. So the the quickest way to see results is to be able to identify what am I saying about money? So you said pass a debit card, oh, sh- oh crap, or whatever. Then could you change it in that moment, which is what yogis are so great at doing? Like, what am I actually saying that I could reframe, switch, flip? Instead of saying, oh crap, what if we said, oh joy, this is money that's bringing me X. So that's one thing with the mindset. The other thing you said was, how about the energy of money? So if you think about energy, think about it just even from a musical standpoint. So listeners are yogis. What if you walked into a room where there was hard rock, death metal music? In fact, there are some yogis I know that kind of teach classes like that, which is amazing. Because there's a certain energy with sound Mm -hmm. and sound Mm -hmm. is like, you know, there are waves, right? There's waves of sound. Or you walk into a yoga class that has this ambient, soft, and just even feeling your body. I'm watching you right now and kind of like (laughs) feel good about the ambient, calm music. So sound is energy, right? Our ears translate that sound as energy into our brains, right? We hear something. Because you could hear a rock, me- a rock metal, death metal song and be like, ah, this is so great. <laughs> or somebody else could hear and be like, oh my gosh, they're, yeah. you know, doing terrible things to like, yeah, <laughs> other people or animals. So really the feedback that we get from sound is, is, and, or light is energy. So when we get feedback from the world around money, it's, it, for me, it comes up as a feeling like what if to me, okay, so let's just practical thing that used to happen to me when I would pay a bill or money would go out, there was major contraction, like, like from my head to my shoulders, shrugging up to my ears, like my little booty would clench like <laughs> way down there, mula banda. 
And it would just feel like a massive contraction because the energy I had was scarcity. So instead of when you pay your bills or when you buy somebody a gift, anytime money is going in or out, what if that energy was open, warm, loving, and just feeling your body like, where does that show up? Like, what does that feel like? And just even changing how we feel money in our bodies can make a huge difference. Given income inequality in this country and the disparity of wealth, how can we frame it in our minds so that we don't feel guilty for even wanting to make $50,000 a month? I love this question. And one thing that I, I definitely wrestled with for years was who am I to have this? And like, what about the other people? And I made it very clear in my vision and my purpose that part of me being able to give my gifts, be reimbursed for those, to feel the energy of money flowing in and out of my hands, I was really clear with my intention and my vision that I'm going to give back. And let's be honest, if you are working 15 classes a week, First of all, your body is not feeling great. Your energy, your literal psychic space, your mental space, your emotional space for holding, if you're teaching anywhere from 15 class, this is, I see other teachers do this a lot, 15 classes a week, which is a lot. Not only that, but you're battling traffic, going back and forth. You're holding space from five to 20 to 30, 50 people, and you're holding them energetically. You're leading them. I mean, that is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, and so from the place of having worked that much and worked so hard, uh, I was really clear that I needed to take care of myself. So me being able to make more money, first of all, wasn't just about the other people, but it was about me being able to take care of myself first and foremost so that I could be of service to other people. So that was the first lily pad that really compelled me to move forward because I knew that I couldn't just eat Burger King or fast food. I wanted to nourish my body so that I could actually show up for my students. So that was like the first thing that I really compelled me to make more money and do like just receive more mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. my effort. And then once I started getting comfortable with that, I started to realize as I was making more money, got more tools, got a better mindset. Then I understood once I could actually make a certain amount of money it was only until then could I really give back, give to communities the money that certain 501c3s needed, that certain charities needed, that I could actually use my gifts for people that needed that financial help in their, their lives. So I totally understand. And, and if we're, but if we stay at that vibration that if, if they can't have it, why should I? Then how could we expect to raise the entire vibration of the earth, if we say that low level thought of, well, I need to stay here because they're here too. And by right, it is our duty to help lift others up. And of course, there are people that make a ton of money and hoard it. I mean, obviously, we see that at the upper, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to even go there, but we see that. And that is one mindset and one belief about money. And if any population should have more money and resources to give back to our planet, to give back to our communities, to give back to society. It should be people 
who have spiritual awakening or not, or and or are willing to have spiritual awakenings, not those that are completely numb or turned off to those spiritual awakenings. Mm-hmm. Another thing that came to mind when you mentioned feeling guilty or the scarcity around money is that I'm a woman of color. I'm Filipino. And one of the things that is also true for myself and my family is I do have family first cousins and all of that that are still in the Philippines and they're in their process of getting in right relationship with money. And what I do know to be true is that even if I gave them the money, even if I do and when I do, my family does, does give them money from time to time is even if I gave it to them, the mindset that they are responsible for. I, I, as much as I love them and want different for them, ultimately they are responsible for their mindset and their willingness to receive, to get curious around their relationship about money, to get curious about different sources. Even if I gave it to them and when I do give it to them and my family gives it to them, they're still radically responsible for what they do with it. And this is not uncommon. We hear about lotto winners that haven't had the right mindset around money, they get this massive amount of money and then they check in on them one, two, three years or further later and they're back in poverty because the ultimate solution isn't the money. Mm-hmm. The ultimate solution is about your mindset and your understanding and your willingness to receive the energy of money. I think something that is always on my mind is like the idea that like things are not like pie. So whether that's like love is not like pie. If I love you this much amount, it doesn't mean that I love my other friends less. Same thing with money, right? Like if we have this much money, it doesn't mean that there's less for other people to go around. Um, So I really want to hear from you on this idea about like scarcity mentality and raising each other up because that to me is so important. And, and the idea of like, if I get this, will that mean that someone else is going to have less? Oh, this is so good. And I think this kind of just completes the circle around if somebody doesn't have money, I have to stay at that level too so that I feel good about myself or they don't feel bad. It also kind of completes the thought around, well, I, I'm a starving artist or starving yogi, so I, I deserve to have this much money because that should make me quote unquote happy, right? And when I think about what is most authentic for yogis is we speak from a place of abundance. And that's just not surface level. I'm opening my class. I believe in abundance, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's really from a deep-seated understanding that we all have access to abundance. It is not something that's reserved for other people. And we somehow, if somebody, somebody gets this one pose and we've all been there, we've been in the yoga class where Becky with the good hair has the amazing back bend and she's enhanced in every other GD pose. It doesn't mean that you can't have that too. And also it may look different for the phase that you're in. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we don't know what Becky has had going on for her, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. to compare is the thief of joy. We don't actually know what's going on for Becky. And it's the same thing for money. We don't actually know if that person with a Louis Vuitton handbag 
and the brand name designer jeans. We don't know Mm -hmm. the story behind that. So I come from a place of not just saying I believe in abundance, but we all have access to that possibility. We all can have that abundance should we choose. But if you're sitting there being like Becky and her, you're sitting out of the instruction, the modifications <laughs> for the amazing backbend, you're sitting there hating and giving side eye to Becky, of course, you're not going to get the backbend because you're not doing the work. You're not right. getting the strap out and the blocks and doing the huffing and puffing. How, tell me that I'm not resonating with Anybody that's on this podcast and listening right now, we've all been there with us being the frumpy whatever, <laughs> like in your mind. I've, you know, in yeah, my in mind, your mind, in my, well, <laughs> for in my, in my tr- like truth, I feel mostly frumpy <laughs> no. a lot of the time. And you're looking at Becky with a blonde hair. And I just, I also think about like, uh, for me being a person of color, like Becky always has blonde hair and I'm here this like, you know, and so it doesn't really matter about Becky or Tina or Diane, who doesn't actually matter. What matters is that we're willing to do the work. You know, you have to be able to do the work and want to do the work to receive the abundance in whatever phase you're in. Even if she is the perfect yoga specimen and she rolls in money and bathes in it and sleeps in it, that doesn't mean that there's not enough for you and that you should feel anything but joy for her. There's an amazing Hawaiian proverb, and it goes, bless that which you want. Mm. Bless that which you want. And that's, that can be related to any, uh, I shouldn't say any, but any religion or belief system that you subscribe to, which is gratitude. Like, wow, Becky, you're killing it, girl. Yeah. Get that back bend. Get that hair because you don't know. And what I also would invite is if you're seeing that person, and we, as teachers, we see this all the time. We experience it in our own bodies, in our own practices. But we see these amazing poses to inspire us to what could be while honoring where we're at in our bodies right now. And you may not be at that money goal yet, but I'm here to share the inspiration that it could be if you're willing to receive it and do your due diligence, get your mindset right, get the strategies right. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for like jealousy never feels good. That's not a high vibration. That's not good energy. I think there is something to be said for like not being bitter about what other people have because the energy that you want to draw to yourself is of gratitude and of like, fuck yeah, like rock on. I mean, it's the highest vibration, gratitude, gratitude. Anytime I hit my mat, I mean, I I try my best to say thank you for allowing me to take a deep breath for the 5, 15, 50, 150 minutes I have, whatever the case may be on any given day, to be on my yoga mat. Thank you for the body that I have. Thank you for the abundance I get to feel by taking a deep breath because others can't. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what's true. Mm -hmm. So abundance and gratitude, gratitude specifically, will always be the highest vibration. And comparison is the thief of joy. So when you're comparing yourself to Becky, 
I mean, it's going to take away your joy. Mm-hmm. And like breeds like. So, yeah. You absolutely. really want joy. Uh, you want to focus, <laughs> what you focus on grows. So, focus on the gratitude, focus on abundance, and you shall have more. We'll be right back with more from the yoga show. So what if we're trying to find a healthy relationship with money? I mean, could you get addicted to money? How much is too much? I mean, that's a great question. And I think at at some point I was thinking about falling in love or romanticizing money. And romance, which seems like a great thing, can be addictive, right? This thing that we think is good and or bad. Some people are scared of relationship where we, we don't, we totally avoid it. So like, just think about this. What if money was a person? You could get addicted to a person, like a substance. I mean, there's definite dopamine from making money, from falling in love, from doing a drug. I mean, addiction's possible for anybody, anywhere, anytime. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to having a healthy relationship with money, again, it starts with awareness. What are my thoughts about money? If you start to notice that you're obsessed with money and money makes me whole and complete and I'm... I'm a better person with money. Those are just, I mean, part of those are true, but that could also be really addictive, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just about being self-aware of where you're at in your relationship to money. That also feels kind of like a lower frequency, right? Absolutely, right? And I love that you're just tuning into lower frequency thought. And again, we have the power. So if money's energy, think about it this way. We talked about sound earlier being an energy we have the power to turn the radio dial. So we can tune into a scratchy, like like sound of money and energy of money that's abrasive, icky, turns people off. Or we could empower ourselves to tune in to what is right for us, Mm -hmm. to what's right for society, to what's right for the greater good, and tune that radio knob so it's, like perfect, like where we're feeling in alignment and right and good with money and helping other people around us. And I think that for me, I'll just be honest, I've been up and down the scale with money. I really have. I've had major fluctuations with my belief system with money, my mindset with money. And when I found, and I'm still finding and keeping in tune with, because like carrying a note we, we can get in and out of tune, but as long as the effort's there and the intention is there to get in tune with money, then I think that's what really matters because I understand that there's probably people out there that are really like not feeling great about hearing me talk about, I made 18K, now I make 50K a month. I totally understand. I feel you. Mm-hmm. I get you. And I've been there. Like I, from a place of compassion, empathy, and understanding, get if you're still trying to heal your relationship with money. And all I ask is for you to turn the dial to find the station that's right for you. Because being that yoga teacher that made just so little money for so much effort, you deserve better. And Mm -hmm. the world, universe, God, great spirit, kitten that's hitting the keyboard, (laughs) that gif, like she's like hitting the keyboard. It's all working for and through you and you deserve to feel that reciprocated to you sure so what do you tell your your clients about how to shift into that 
receiving vibration? That's what we work on all the time. We work on that, on how do we receive. And a lot of my clients are women and they tend to be younger. And I'm so honored because I didn't have somebody teaching me about the energy of money at 25. Like, I don't know. I was out there drinking and gallivanting. Who knows what? (laughs) But um, what I tell my clients is it's a constant relationship. And those of you who are listening that are in long term or you're getting into a relationship, you got to work on it. It's not like you plug in and it's like, all right, cool. I'm at this frequency for the rest of my life. It's a constant ebb and flow. And there's a constant effort that you have to have with the relationship to money. And one of the most powerful things my teacher, Michelle Marshallton, taught me was to date my poses. And what that means is if you have handstand, I say that a lot because I love handstand, handstand or whatever pose, you have to be willing to revisit that pose regularly and keep a good relationship with it. Like if you're in a marriage, be willing to date each other and fall in love with each other, get curious about each other. And it's the same thing with money. Are you willing to get curious and ask and and be in relationship and right relationship with it? So what should I ask money today? Okay, so I'm not in your body, so I don't know what you would ask money today, but I would treat that that's that starting ember of the relationship and getting curious if you're on a first date I don't know let's pretend we're on a first Mm -hmm. date with money like what would we say so where did you come from like literally asking the the money where did my relationship where did you come from where did I start to understand is that why you ask all your first dates totally (laughs) if I was on a first date with money I would want to understand money I'd say like, well, where do you, like, what's your story? Ah, that's a great mm-hmm. first question. What's your story? Mm-hmm. Tell me, what do you believe in? Which is really, if you're asking the first date, you're seeing that first date, they align with you. Mm-hmm. So where do you come from? How could we relate? So like you're talking to money as a first date for the first time, you're trying to relate and understand that person. So give us three action items to take away from this podcast that we can start doing right away to change our relationship with the energy of wealth and our ideas of money. So three action steps that you could take away right now to start getting in right relationship with money is to tune into your awareness. And a more practical step would be, what are you aware of around money? Do you tend to be um, really constricted around money, meaning you tend to hold it? Do you tend to overgive with money? Do you tend to avoid money? Do you tend to overspend money? Being able to identify what you do with money is a really great first step as far as just being aware. And yogis have this incredible capacity to be aware and you can tune into that better than you think you do. And if you're super resistant to it, great. Lean into the discomfort because yogis know the yoga really starts. The pose really starts the moment you want to get out of it. So if you're resistant to it, I encourage you lean into the discomfort. Another practical step would be to look at your history with money. So not only just being in the awareness of right now, how you are with money, look at your, your track record with money. In fact, they called credit cards credit your credibility with money. Mm -hmm. So 
look at your spending habits. Do you tend to overspend, underspend? A lot of times clients that I, I come across, they tend to hoard money or they are, they're very um, lucid with money. They're just, it's in and out. They're just, they're just fluid with it. So starting to understand what you have done as your track record with money is also really important. And then the third and last most important action step is to create a clear vision. What do you want your relationship with money to be? AKA, what is your intention? What mm-hmm. do you want? And don't tell me that you don't know, yoga teachers, what you want your intention to be because you set intentions, hopefully, every yoga class. So what is your intention with money? When I got crystal, and I'm talking crystal clear, that my intention with money was to build a beautiful life for myself and my husband with a house and time and money freedom where I could give back to people of color and give to those that needed it in my local community and internationally and nationally. It was, it was like the floodgates to this right now, the floodgates are just wide open, but it didn't come until I was crystal clear. And not just one time I do meditations, affirmations, breath work around the energy of money every single morning. I visualize it. I talk to it because my purpose and my intention are so clear for the people that I want to help and serve in this world. What do you say to it? I say, thank you, money. Thank you. I'm so grateful for you for showing up for me every single day. I'm so glad to see you. I love having you around me. You feel so good to be around. I laugh with you. I play with you. I get to do amazing things with my friends, my loved ones, and people who really need me. Thank you, money. I love you. And what does money say back? I got you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) So whenever I get stressed out about money, I think about this line from the movie Blow where Preliota says to Johnny Depp's character, money isn't real, George. Like people just think that it is. Um, And that kind of helps me to be like, why am I giving so much power to this thing that's literally made up by people? It doesn't matter. And what would you say to that? So I love that you say that because let's go back to that analogy of the healers. They would, in fact, my mom would tell me of stories where my mom is a renowned, she is a medical doctor and uh, uh, my grandfather was a dentist back in World War II with uh, General MacArthur in the Philippines. So like healing is part of my Mm. family history, Mm -hmm. but she would talk about my grandfather uh, receiving, my great grandfather actually, her grandfather receiving chickens. Like they, like the neighbors would come from the local barrios and like come and give chickens or just livestock. And it's so different in our day and age. I open my car, my phone now. I look at these fake numbers. They're on my phone. They have a piece of plastic that we hand over. Yeah. It's not even quote unquote real. But this is also what we're talking about with the energy of money. It's, I highly doubted my great grandfather would get a, like a neighbor would come and like toss the chicken back (laughs) in his face and spit on the ground and be like, curse you. Like I don't, I, 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 I can feel through my generational power that these 
neighbors, the people in the barrio were very grateful and felt so much love. If, any, if anything, if, if, if frequency can travel through generations, I can feel it. I know that that was true. And or it's still exchange. true. The exchange, the money exchange and the energy of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so real. The gratitude of, I only have four chickens, mm-hmm. but for you to heal somebody that I love, I will give you gladly two mm-hmm. for helping them get healed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me is just like energy exchange at its best. So when we think about it like, well, money isn't real. It's actually like in the sense of, can we touch sound waves? No. But we can feel the energy again of walking to a hard death metal room or walking into a calm, ambient, classical sounding room. We feel the energy. So yeah, is money not real from a movie or like a statement? Of course, I could totally relate. It's not quote unquote real, but it is, right? We also could argue and poets and writers and Shakespeare has written for days about love. Show me the real evidence of love. We feel love. We feel the love a mother has for a child as she lifts up a car off of them. So we could make any argument for is love real? Is money real? All of that. But what, again, is more important is how we feel around it or the feelings that it invokes. Well, I feel like you just blasted my mantra out of the water of like, hey, it's cool. It doesn't matter. It's not real. (laughs) But I think what what it does for me is it reminds me that like, hey, this is a made up thing that society has put pressure on. And so you don't need to change your self-worth or feel down on yourself if you don't have it right now because it will it ebbs and flows and it's just literally a number on a computer. It actually has nothing to do with my actual self-worth as a person. Money is absolutely not a reflection of you as a person. And uh, just going to say, I'm going to point upwards to the powers that are in charge of certain countries right now. Obviously, you can be of poor intention and have a lot of money. And again, this is why I encourage those of us who have clear, aligned, purposeful intentions we are the ones that need to have resource and the resource in our country right now and our literal international economy is money. We need that. We need to get in right relationships with the right people, have more power, have more of a voice to speak with our dollars, to actually create our own economies. And that was the most powerful thing for me was instead of being reliant on I hate to say this, marrying a guy that had a great job and good Lord, did I kiss a lot of frogs in order to get real with myself that I'm my own economy. I deserve to support myself and to have the things I want, like go to eat at Whole Foods and not have to worry about that. And I deserve to eat at Whole Foods and nourish myself and uh, have the things that nourish me and take care of me because I deserve it and because I was willing to get curious around money, get the strategies and really take a long, hard, loving look at my mindset around money. So money does not make you, but it does sure make your intentions easier. That's Mm. for sure. I don't know how many people I would be able to impact at making 18K a year. I I was just barely surviving myself. So how could I help other people thrive 
if I was not, if I was deprived, I mean, we are so much more capable when our needs are met and everybody's needs are different. And that impacts our ability to help our communities, our neighbors thrive. And how does stepping into our own worth and wealth help empower others to do the same? When we can take care of ourselves on a basic needs level, when we can know that we can share our gifts and have our rent paid, our mortgage paid, our food needs met, and especially if we have special needs with your diet or you need more, it doesn't matter. I could keep going about what you need, but when our needs are met and when we can put our mask on our face first, Mm -hmm. like, and they tell us in the Mm -hmm. little pamphlet on the airplane, then we can truly help other people. And I just can say like, for me, I'll just admit that being at that level of, of income, it was an addiction. I didn't know. Like the, like the argument could be that money's addiction. I would say that poverty for me was a bit of an addiction. I needed a hit of like adrenaline of, am I going to re- make rent this month? Am I going to be able to get food or gas or groceries or whatever? I mean, that was an addiction in itself. So mm. can we be addicted to wealth? Absolutely. Can we be addicted to poverty? I sure was. Yeah. I sure was. It's funny the things that we don't want that we do get addicted to. And I could go down this whole rabbit hole. In fact, there's a documentary called What the Bleep Down the Rabbit Hole that's all about, I mean, quantum physics, but also addiction. Like people get addicted to their misery. It's fabulous. I suggest yeah. everyone watch it. I was, yeah. And I would say I was addicted to being poor. I lived, I thrived off of it. Starving, I wasn't quite starving artist per se, but I was definitely starving yogi. Mm-hmm. And, it felt good to me. It served a gremlin that didn't need to be fed through being at a certain, certain level of income. Clara, thank you so much for being here with us today. We love you and we appreciate all of your wisdom. Where can we hear more from you? So you can find me on Instagram or IG at Claire, C-L-A-R-E underscore Qui, C-U-I. And that is where I play most of the time. You can also find me on Facebook. But I would love if you want to have more of a conversation around money. I do tons of mini trainings on my IG stories. And you could also send me a message. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm totally open to continuing this conversation because more than anything, I know how my former self five years ago would feel hearing this breakthrough or what I'm sharing around money, I would have been like, screw you, lady. You don't even know me. You don't know me. You don't get it. And I just say that with like a laugh and I get it. And I so see where you're at. I understand. And I want you to hear from my heart. You can, should, and will have more. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to Claire for joining us today. To learn more about the energy of wealth, find her at Claire underscore Qui on Instagram. That's C-L-A-R-E underscore C-U-I. And tune in two weeks from now for a new episode of The Yoga Show when we'll begin our series on healing. In the meantime, you can follow me at Lynns.Tucker, that's Lynns with a D, on Instagram for more from Yoga Journal and beyond. 
The Yoga Show is produced by me and Aviv Rubenstein. Follow him on social media at Rambo Calrissian. Theme music by Katie Canavan. More from her at Accordion to Katie on Instagram. Until next time for The Yoga Show, I'm Lindsay Tucker. We'll see you on the mat.